Hey, this is Jim, pastor of Decided Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for listening. We hope the sermon you're about to hear just blesses your heart and really encourages you. If you don't mind, subscribe. That way you'll get instant notifications every time a sermon is uploaded. And by all means, if you're feeling led to give, click on the giving link and there'll be more directions to follow. God bless. Enjoy the message. Reminder, who's grateful this morning for the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love? I needed all those chances. Third, fourth, fifth chance, sixth chance. I needed them all. Um, We are blessed this morning to have a guest preacher in the house, and we are, if, if you're just joining us for the first time, or, or it's been a little bit, we started a brand new series last week entitled, Is That Me, or Is That God? Anybody been there before? Uh, well, we've got a treat for you today. This is my friend Clinton Edwards. You may have seen him serving in the background, and what he, he's, he's a firefighter extraordinaire. You come on up. Uh, So he works for the Columbia Fire Department. He also serves on Leadership and Switch, which is our youth group on Wednesday nights. And he's also a deacon of the church. He serves on Leadership 2.0 and just serves the Lord. And he does it all for the right reasons. So um, feeling fired up? You ready to go? All right. We love you. Y'all make him feel welcome. Here's Clinton Edwards. All right, guys. So as Jim said, my name's Clinton Edwards. Um, I'm take a little side trip here first. So we talked about Switch, and one of my favorite things about Switch is Jeremy gives me like five minutes at the beginning of each sermon to do a minute with Clinton, and like I have the mic right now, and so I have all the power, unless Joel mutes me. So we're going to go into a minute with Clinton, and it's real simple, and all it is is like we have ideas that really aren't long enough to be a full sermon, but we feel like are important for the kids to hear or just to know about in general. So today we're talking about Samuel, and... I, I know Jim is too, like, huge language nerds. And so Hebrew is this really awesome language that English just can't really cover fully. Like, it's got both a, like, literal meaning and a metaphorical meaning, and it's also a very visual language. And so a couple of weeks ago in Switch, we were talking about the names of God, and Elohim was one of them we talked about. And if you guys don't know, it's the first name given to God in the Bible. And it's considered to be like the most holy names of God. Like Jewish people don't say the name and it's used the first 60 times in Genesis. That's the first name. But anytime you see someone's name in Hebrew that ends in EL, it's a direct reference back to something of God. So like you see Samuel, ends in EL, Joel, Daniel, all of them reference back to God. So as we are reading through the text in a little bit, just from, it's super cool because Samuel means heard by God, which is super awesome because the entire beginning of Samuel's story is him hearing God and talking to God. So it's a very beautiful image of how God has a plan for us before we're even born. And which, I mean, it's Jeremiah 1.5, like he knows us in the womb. And so I just think that's super cool as we read through this text, just to know that like this was all like God knew Samuel's personality before he was ever born. So, your minute with Clinton right there. Um, <laughs> so my wife, Victoria, and then we have uh, three kids. We have Maggie, Hannah, and Zeke. Um, you guys probably know Maggie. She's awesome. <laughs> if you don't know her, she's the one when the sprouts are in here that like dances in the front row and tries to touch everything and like stresses me and Vic out a lot. Um, 
But we're super excited today because baptisms are tonight, and Maggie's getting baptized tonight. So she made this decision back in June, um, and me and Victoria were super excited about it, but we came to Jim probably a week or so later to really have him like talk to her to make sure it wasn't just her repeating church answers, essentially, or knowing like what me and Victoria wanted for her. Like We wanted to know that we were hearing this right. And so Jim confirmed it, and she's, she's four, almost five, and so the biggest fight in our household on any given day is nap time. Like It's, it's rough. Anybody with kids understands it. Like it's, it's hard. And so one day Maggie came out, this is probably in July or so, came out and said, you know, don't worry, Daddy, I don't have to sleep today. God told me I didn't need a nap. <laughs> to be clear, she still napped that day. It was just a lot more of a fight. But this is like a real struggle we have in Christianity. Like how do I know when it's God's voice versus when it's just my own desires? Because the reality is, I doubt God was telling her not to sleep. But she's four, and she doesn't want to miss out on anything, and she wants to see everybody all the time. And so Jim talked about last week uh, the idea of the first step in understanding God's voice and hearing it is just through obedience, through prayer and reading, and starting to learn God's will more, so we can and knowing his character more, so we can separate our own will from his will, just to have that louder resonance. And so today we're going to jump into Samuel, we're going to be in Samuel, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, and we're going to read about how Samuel was first called by God and look at how this applies to our lives. So if everybody will stand, and we'll go ahead and read. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare, and there was not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that they could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not gone out yet, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called to Samuel, and Samuel answered, saying, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you have called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went back and laid down. And again the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me, my son said Eli, I did not call you, go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not know yet the Lord, and the words of the Lord had not been revealed to him yet. A third time the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and laid down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. Dear God, just be with us as we go through this uh, lesson today, Lord. Uh, please just hide me behind the cross and just let people hear what you put on my heart and Jim's heart for this week, Lord. Just, I pray that everybody takes something out of this and applies it to their lives and that uh, no one gets offended, that they realize that we all have our own faults, Lord. And just thank you for everything you do. In your name we pray, amen. All right, so side note, I promise today's sermon is not going to be about putting kids to sleep because that's what it looks like, and I have no advice for that at all. And so a little backstory to this text. So Samuel's mom, Hannah, wasn't able to have a kid, and so she prayed to God that if she ever had a son, if he allowed her to have a son, she would give him back to the temple, and he would work there. Um, and it's funny because Eli, 
actually saw Hannah praying this prayer and he thought she was drunk the way that she was playing, praying on the street corner. And at the same time, Eli's sons were considered such scoundrels in the Bible that they weren't going to inherit the temple or the priesthood. Um, they were essentially cheating people out of offerings and doing like a mafia style shakedown on people by threatening them to give more to the priest offering so they could have more abundance. And so we see this beautiful scene of Samuel being adopted by Eli because his sons would not inherit the priesthood. And then Samuel was then given back to the temple to inherit the priesthood. So for note takers, I have three basic points today. It's real simple. And the first one is that God repeats himself. Like we see this in Samuel's story, like God repeated himself four times. And it wasn't like when Samuel didn't understand that God was calling him, that God was just like, all right, sorry, dude, you had your chance. Like on to the next person. We'll see if you can pick it up next time. Like God kept giving this grace and kept repeating himself, which is super encouraging to me because it eliminates like all the stress to me. Like we don't need to sit around and stress out like, is this God telling me to do something? Like if I don't act or if I act impulsively, like I'll miss it. Like I've got to do something now. Like that's not how this works. Like if it's something God wants you to do, he will continuously nudge you and tell you. God's not a one and done God. Like it's not like Kentucky basketball. It's not just one time and then we're out. Like it's a repeated situation. Or North Carolina. Yeah, I heard somebody call it. Yeah, we'll call it like it is. Um, so, and there's other examples of this too in the Bible. Um, last time I was up here, I talked about my favorite book of the Bible being Jonah. And so we see in Jonah the same God-giving grace over and over again, but it's a slightly different. So with Jonah, God told him to go to Nineveh, and he says no. And he gets on a boat and sails to the farthest known place on the earth. And then God says, go back to Nineveh. And he's like, I don't want to go to Nineveh. And so a giant storm overtakes the boat. And then God tells him again, like, you need to go to Nineveh. And he's like, I don't want to. And a fish eats him up, and then the fish takes him to Nineveh and spits him out on the shore. And then that's when Jonah's finally like, all right, I'll go talk to the people of Nineveh. And he gives like a real like half-hearted message to them. But what's cool about this is in this story, like it's not that Jonah didn't know if God was talking to him or if Jonah was confused by the message. Like Jonah flat out said, no, he was like, I'm not doing that. And God still gave him these additional chances. And like, if we're worried that we're just going to miss something because we're blinded by everyday life or we're moving too fast, like, Jonah said no, and God still gave him chances. And like, this isn't the only time it happens in the Bible. Uh, we all know Moses. Most of us know Moses' story. Like, consider like one of the greats of the Old Testament. You know, he was abandoned as a baby. He raised in Egypt. He then grew up and helped lead the Israelites out of Egypt. And then at the end of his life, he's at the very edge of the promised land. Like, he's the fathers of the Old Testament. He's one of the big guys. But if you go back to when he's first called by God, it's a much different story than that. So we see, I don't have the verses up, so we'll just have to follow along. Um, we see Moses talking to the famous burning bush. And God's telling him, like, go to the Israelites, tell them you're from me. And Moses keeps saying, like, no, they're not going to believe me. They won't believe that I actually talked to God at all. And so God tells him, like, I will give you these three signs to show them. And Moses says, look, they won't believe me. They won't listen to me. Instead, they'll say, the Lord did not appear to you. And so these signs involve one's throwing a staff on the ground and it becoming a snake. One is the Nile, like being able to put it in a cup and it turning to blood. And so finally, Moses is like, all right, they'll listen to me. They'll believe this is from you. But I'm not good at talking. 
So you should definitely pick somebody else. And then so God says to Moses, who gives a person a mouth? Who makes them able, who makes them unable to speak or deaf or able to see or blind or lame? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I myself will help you with your speech and I'll tell you what you are to say. And so Moses has this great response back of, Lord, please send someone else. (laughs) And then the Lord is angry with Moses and says, there's your brother Aaron, descendant of Levi, isn't he? I know that he certainly is eloquent. Right now he's coming to meet you and is pleased to see you. And then the Lord ends up partnering Aaron with Moses to do all the talking. So again, pretty similar to the Jonah situation, Moses is not confused. It's not a, is God talking to me? Like, I'm unsure if this is my own will. He's talking to a bush that is on fire that is not burning. Like, he knows this is God. And he's not confused about the message. It's real straightforward. He understands exactly what God wants, and he's like, I will absolutely not do that. And he argues with God, which to me is an interesting concept. Like, you know you're talking to the all-powerful God, the creator of everything. You're like, nah, man, we're going to debate this. Like, this isn't for me. Like, I feel like I'd be terrified, like, Whatever you say do, I'm looking at a bush that's not burning, but it's on fire. Like, that's a crazy idea. But again, we see this grace, this wonderful grace where God's not trying to throw, like, one pass to everybody. It's, I love you, and I care about you, so I'm going to give you these attempt, these chances. I'm going to give these chances because I want you to come with me, and we build this together. I don't want this to be a me constructing everything. Like God wants us to partner with him throughout it. Second point, pretty straightforward. We should always seek confirmation. We see back in Samuel's story, like even though he's talking to God and he doesn't understand what God is, he doesn't understand it's God. It takes until he goes and talks to Eli to see that, oh, this is God talking to me. And the funny thing is like we do this in life all the time. Like, so everybody who's married, who went to premarital counseling? Like, show of hands. Cool. Who went to someone who was a newlywed that had been married for like one year for premarital counseling? Yeah, like nobody does that. We always go and we seek out the wise elder who's been around. Like, he, they know what's going on. Like, our pastor that married me and Vic had been together for like 30 years in his marriage, you know? Or if you're at work, and you come to some project and you don't know how to handle it, like who do you talk to for advice? The guy that just got hired last week or like the 10-year veteran? The 10-year veteran. Or like, like I say, you're trying to get a new doctor. Are you going to go to the guy that just got out of his residency or the person that's been practicing for like 30 years? The one that's been practicing for 30 years. Like it's obvious. We seek the experience in every other aspect of our life. But when it comes to spiritual health, we get very self-conscious. Like, we're afraid to tell other people about our struggles that we're having. We're afraid that we're going to be judged by others. When the reality is, like, we're not going to grow as people spiritually unless we go through that uncomfortable stage of asking someone else, like, what should I do in this situation? And if you don't trust me on this, like, if you don't think this is a biblical concept, we have a fun game we can play where we can just open Proverbs and just look and, like, if we flip to a page in Proverbs and there's not something about seeking counsel on that page, like, I'll buy coffee this week. Like, it's gonna be there. Like, so I picked one. It's uh, Proverbs 12:15, And it's, the way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. Like, it's straightforward. Like, 
is a complete biblical idea for us to seek counsel and to be reaching out to people. God loves us so much that he's going to keep pushing us in different ways to grow and to, to build his church for him. And then we should take that thought that we have and talk to others about it to see if, to get it confirmed, essentially, to make sure that we're hearing voices the right way. And if you don't know who to talk to, like, I can flat out volunteer people, like a voluntold situation. Like, every day or every service, we have a prayer team in the back that wears yellow lanyards. Like, they would love to talk to people about stuff. You know, we have 1.0 and 2.0 leadership. Like, I know Jesse would love to talk to everybody in here. Love it. And, uh, <laughs> and then there's also, like, people like the Sheltons. Like, everybody knows the Sheltons. Like, they're great people. They would love to talk to you about what's going on in your life. They have more advice than you could ever imagine. And then anyone who leads a light group, like if they've been trusted to lead a light group, like they've been prayed over and we feel a good push from God that they are the right responsible party for this. So my last point is my favorite point and probably like decided history's best point that we've ever had on anything. And um, it's the hard part of the conversation, but Jim's not Jesus. Like flat out, like Jim is not Jesus. We sit back a lot, yeah. When we sit back a lot, when we feel these nudges from God to do things, and we try to pass it off to somebody else. Um, we talked about it, Cam talked about it in a men's group a couple weeks ago, that it's just like our human nature. Like we hear something, it makes us uncomfortable, and we want someone else to do it. And we'll suggest stuff to people all day long. Like I'm sure if we were to go around and talk about it, like nine times out of the ten when stuff's been suggested, it's not a new idea. It's just we don't have anybody to lead it. Like, we could go talk to Lori and Emily about how Sprouts needs more volunteers. They know. Like, that's nothing new to them, but they need people to step up. Or, like, we could sit around and be like, man, I wish we did some more community outreach. I'm going to go talk to you know, Jeremy Powers. Like, he, he's an outspoken guy. Let me go talk to him. He knows. But we need someone to lead those situations. And, you know, it's, it's not just always God putting something on your heart for you to say something and speak up. There's a lot of times that God's putting something on our heart because he's wanting you to recognize the gap that exists. And not just so you talk about the gap, but so you go fill the gap. Like that's one of our, our core values on leadership is it's, we talk about at every meeting that we are gap fillers. But that's what we should all be as someone building up the church. Like if we see a gap, we don't just need to point a finger at the gap. We need to go try to fill that gap. Dylan Salmon says it probably like four times a day. I think it's his favorite quote, but he always says, God doesn't call the qualified, but he qualifies the called. Like, we see that in the Moses story. Like, that's exactly what it was. He was like, I'm not a good, a good talker. And God's like, I will make you a good talker. He's like, I don't have these signs. Like, I don't think I can convince people to believe me. And he's like, I will show people. Like, I will give you the signs. I will make it happen. And expecting, if we sit back and we expect, you know, Jim and Alyssa, or Lori and Emily, or Victoria, Dylan, Jeremy, any of these leaders of these major groups, to be able to carry the burden of doing everything, like decided will fail. Like flat, end of the day, like those people cannot carry the burden of the entire church. It's just not possible. If there's one thing that we get at Decided, it's kids. Like without a doubt, we have a massive kids program uh, the 830 service is just a Giants kid service. It's great. Like, with kids coming up to the front for, um, like, their own little sermon, like, they just have fun with it. It's amazing. 
And there's the classic saying that everybody knows of like it takes a village to raise a kid. Like it takes a community. Like nobody can do it on their own. And we need to stop looking at the church as like, oh, I go to a church and I serve at a church, but it's Jim's church. Like that's not how it goes. Like the church is our kid. Like it's our child. Like God has entrusted all of us to help build it up. And the quicker that we can realize that it takes an entire village and community to build this child up so it can do everything we want it to, so we can reach everybody we want it to, then the quicker we can be successful with that. It takes literally everybody's got a different talent. We talked about it a couple weeks ago with every person represents a different part of the body of Christ. Like one person's a hand, one person's a leg, and we need everybody to really fulfill that vision. But you've got to be prepared to listen to hear what God wants you to do with that vision. We've got to be in tune with his voice to take those steps. So I've got a verse I'm going to leave us with before we start to pray for us to really just think about and meditate on this week, guys. It's Isaiah 6, 8. And it's, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and whom will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. I don't know if you guys remember like our theme saying this year, but the come and see, go and tell, like me, represents that perfectly. It's exactly what it is, is someone standing up being like, I will go, I will be the one to go in March. And as Jim has talked about already, like we're going into a very excited season here at Decided. We're super pumped with the church building, but it's going to take all of our hands going forward to really build what we, this amazing vision that we have. Dear God, I just pray that this week that we all just let this resonate on our hearts, Lord, that we are able to sit back and really just hear your voice in the chaos, that we're able to take those moments of peace throughout the day, those moments of silence, that waking up early in the morning to be with you, to hear you clearly before the noises of the world come out, Lord, and that we're able to just to take those urges and to do something with them, to not be afraid to not make excuses, Lord, to know that at the end of the day, like it's our job to build your church. It's our job to stand at the wall and lay the bricks, Lord. And I just pray that you give everyone in this room a a nudge this week. Give them a place that you want them to go to and that you want them to pick up a hammer, Lord. And just thank you for everything you do for us and all the ways you love us, Lord. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Y'all could stand and just sing this hymn with me.